When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is I Doubt It. Oh, I mean, dang. <laughs> I am Jesse Dollimore, and the klutzy co-host across from me is Brittany Page. Hi, everybody. <laughs> what are you doing? I dropped my pen. I can train wreck two episodes in a row. <laughs> Episode 20. Episode 20 today. It is our venerated Mother's Day episode. For those of you who have a mother, not who were spontaneous. <laughs> that's right. That's, no, that's like that graph I showed you the other day. Yeah. Very funny. So anyway, everybody, thanks for joining us on our Mother's Day episode. Uh, episode 20, as I mentioned. Um, 657-464-7609. We are receiving your iTunes reviews, and they make us very, very happy. All of them. Even the ones that are funny. Yeah, we love the funny ones. <laughs> I was laughing a lot today. I We've got a lot to get to on the show. Like I mentioned, um, it's a, holy, a high holy holiday. Mother's Day. Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Hey, mama, this that shit that make you move, mama. Get on the floor and move your booty, mama. And even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. Mother, do you think they'll like this song? Mama, I'm coming home. I'm sorry, mama. Mother, do you think they'll try to break my balls? Mama said not Mother. Mama tried, Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied. That leaves only me to blame, cause Mama tried. Mother, should I run for president? Your Mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll. Mama! Mother, should I trust the government? Hugging on my mama from a jail cell. I'm a mother lover, you're a mother lover. We should fuck each other's mothers, fuck each other's mothers. Happy Mother's Day. You know, that could have been a lot longer. Yeah, that was really impressive, I thought. There are hundreds of songs. There's only one country song in there, and every country song. It's a weird thing that... Rap and country music are so diametrically opposed. Yeah. But there's a few things that they have in common. One being that they talk about their mamas a lot. Yeah, I noticed that. Rap and hillbillies. Yeah, I'm glad you only included one country song because we can't take much more of that. <laughs> it ruined the whole show. That little section of that song ruined the entire yeah, show. No one likes country. No so. one. No one worth anything. Sorry, uh, that's everybody. A bold, that's a bold claim. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, country lovers. So we did want to get right to it. We wanted to talk a little bit 
about uh, the history of the holiday. Um, so often we kind of just we go into this robotic automatic mode, never really think about what the origins of anything are. Um, I'm guilty as any. And I wanted to do a little research and find out exactly where Mother's Day came about. Well, and it's the perfect time to do so because it's the 100th anniversary for Mother's Day. Yeah. It turns 100 this year. Interesting. What a coincidence. Even though it's a joyous holiday for many people, it has more somber roots. It was founded for mourning women to remember fallen soldiers and their work for peace. Not the soldiers' work, the mothers' work. After the Civil War. And... It all started in the 1850s when West Virginia's woman's organizer, Anne Reeves Jarvis, held Mother's Day work clubs to improve sanitary conditions and try to lower infant mortality by fighting disease and curbing milk contamination. Seems like a good lady. Yeah. The groups also tended to wounded soldiers from both sides during the Civil War from 1861 to 1865. Anna Jarvis never had children of her own, but the death of her own mother inspired her to organize the first Mother's Day observances in 1908. And largely through her efforts, Mother's Day came to be observed in a growing number of cities and states until President Woodrow Wilson officially set aside the second Sunday in May in 1914 for the holiday. So President Woodrow Woodrow Wilson was responsible for making it official. What's what I find very interesting about the story is that as soon as there was a presidential decree, uh, and I don't know if it was an act of Congress or not, but as soon as it was made official that the second Sunday in May would be Mother's Day, uh, the the companies got their hooks into this. You know, the flower company and the chocolates company and the gift giving companies. <laughs> And turned it into something commercial, which pissed Lady Jarvis off a lot. Yeah, she didn't want it to be that. For her, it was a day where you'd go home, spend time with your mother, thank her for all that she did. And it wasn't to celebrate all mothers. It was to celebrate the best mother you've ever known. Your your own mother. (laughs) Yeah, your mother as a son or a daughter. And she viewed the commercialization of the holiday as a failure and she felt that she had failed so if you bought your mom something this mother's day (laughs) you according to lady jarvis are a worthless ruthless failure yeah and she did it she dedicated her life to trying to make it stop well apparently she had money yeah she dedicated all her money all her time like all of it didn't she die penniless yes she and just, crazy as yeah, shit yeah in a state of dementia which is kind <laughs> well, of well she probably she they say state of dementia but they she probably just had alzheimer's yeah it's not like the the controversy surrounding mother's day drove her insane yeah and it's kind of a bummer because they say here in this article that she actually could have profited from mother's day if she wanted to yeah she created it Right. And she didn't want it to be this thing where everybody's spending money and everybody's turning it into something it wasn't meant to be, you know, so it's kind of a bummer. Mother's Day is is well known as being one of the most um, busy days for restaurants. Yes. Mother's Day. It is reported by the U.S. National Restaurant Association that oh. Mother's Day is the year's most popular holiday for dining I out. I didn't know you had that stat. I did. That's awesome. And according to the National Retail Federation, Americans will spend an average of $162.94 on mom this year, down from a survey high. How much? How much? $162. Looks like I saved $162 this year. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Down from a survey high of $168 last year. Oh, man. So total spending is expected. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Total spending is expected to reach $19.9 billion. That's crazy. This year? Yeah. Wow. So Hallmark cards, um, everybody knows it's a Hallmark holiday. People always say that, right? Hallmark cards itself, which sold its first Mother's Day cards in early 1920s, report that Mother's Day is the number three holiday for card exchange in the United States. Behind what? Valentine's and Christmas? Yes. Look at me. Wow. I'm well, kind of impressed right now. It's not like you give Cinco de Mayo cards. Yeah. Or fucking well, St. Patrick's do, Day cards. They do have St. Patrick's Day cards. Come on. Uh, And then about 133 million Mother's Day cards are exchanged annually. That's crazy. Wow. 
Well, I would like to remind everyone that, of course, it's a good holiday and it's nice to remember your mother, but, and I'm not going to dwell on this, and I'm certainly not get, getting into anything personal, but not everyone has a mother that deserves celebration. You know, Andrea Yates is a mother, and although she doesn't have kids to celebrate her because she drowned them each and every one, uh, she's not a great mother. There are countless people who, listen, there's more to being a mother than the biological function of having one of your eggs fertilized. There's a little bit more to it than that. Not everyone needs some special treatment. Well, it's like what Oprah Winfrey says. Biology is the least of what makes someone a mother. Yeah. And, you know, there are people that on Mother's Day are reminded of their dead mother or their mother that is a bad person that they can't speak to for whatever reason. And there's always people who try to put, like, normal parameters on abnormal situations. Mm. And That should be quoted. That's something you say all the time. I... Not to not to sidetrack you, but that's an awesome thought that you have that you talk about that people who try to, f- for instance, let's since we're not talking about personal stuff, let's say there's someone who doesn't talk to their mother yeah. because for whatever reason, yeah, you know, obviously the reason is something that negative, that, yeah, and people are like, oh well, you should just do this or this or this, and they give that person advice, yeah. The problem is, like you say, you can't use normal, logical parameters and circa, um, answers yeah. problem-solving yeah. on a situation that's completely abnormal. Yeah, because some people think, well, it's your parent, you know, you should just not feel the way you feel because of whatever happened and because it's your parent. Well, you have normal parents. <laughs> right. So I get that for you, but for me, it's an ab- not me personally, but for the person involved, it's an ab- Yeah, cuz we're not talking about ourselves. It's an abnormal situation that you can't it's Ag- not Once again, we are not talking about ourselves. Yeah. We're clearly talking about someone else. <laughs> But anyway, so, you get what I'm saying. Listen, there are wacky, far, loopy-ass Christians out there who won't br- treat their children with medicine and end up killing their children or permanently physically damaging their children because they won't get them modern medical intervention. Those people don't need to be celebrated. Those people need to be prosecuted. So Yeah, but there are moms... Absolutely, there are. Who are wonderful and who deserve praise and who deserve to have all kinds of gifts bought for them, regardless of what Jarvis has to say, all right? Well, when you're, Kev- <laughs> when you're Kevin Durant, yes, you, uh, you have a little extra dough to splurge. Kevin Durant or Kevin Garnett, as, <laughs> as- I <laughs> thought. Well, let me, listen, for, for those of you who aren't sport fans, sports fans, I guess it would be sport fans, that's fine too. Fans of sport. <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's a, a National Basketball Association franchise. NBA. It's an NBA franchise. And Brittany was telling me about this. And because I didn't, I hadn't listened to the news that morning or whatever. And she was telling me about Kevin Garnett gave a speech. Yeah, I said he was winning the award, the no, MVP you award. No, you know, you didn't say that because oh. I would have known it wasn't Kevin Garnett. Oh, okay. You said Kevin Garnett was just giving a speech, and he was talking about his mother, and I was like, oh, really? And then you're like, yeah, and then he started talking about Derek Fisher. She knows about Derek Fisher because we're, you know, Lakers fan. We live in L.A., and and I was like, wow, why would he thank – why would Kevin Garnett thank Derek Fisher? I don't think they've ever played together. What? Well, that's weird. And then she's going on telling more of the story, and it just didn't add up. And then I finally I realized <laughs> <laughs> it's not Kevin – well – What's you know what's really odd about it is I when I first started questioning whether whether or not she was correct, I thought to describe the guy that she saw in the video, and the only way to describe Kevin Garnett what was it, when I I didn't end up doing this, but and the reason I didn't is because you'll soon find out it's ridiculous. I almost described him was he a tall black guy <laughs> with a goatee. And then she would have said yes, and that would have confirmed, yep, Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Because 
Kevin Durant also is a tall black guy yeah. with, a, with a goddamn goatee. Yeah, so the moral of the story is that I know nothing about sports or people who play sports. Or sport. Or sport. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. But at least I know who Derek Fisher is, so that's good. You call him little guy. Yeah, little guy. Because he looks small out there with everybody else. Right. He's over six foot tall, but... But he looks small. So Kevin Durant's mom was at his MVP award ceremony. Mm -hmm. And it was in the news because it was this beautiful, heartfelt speech. It really was. I mean, I'm a guy who cries a lot, I guess. (laughs) I cry... I, I, about every episode of Modern Family, I'm bawling my eyes out. <laughs> so I, I'm a, well, thanks for that. <laughs> Cackling oh, approval. <laughs> what a little baby. So I'm a crier. I, I'm an emotional guy. Yeah, I'm a crier. And it, it's not surprising that I did, I teared up, but even I think heartless robots would, would get emotional about this. I cry every time. So here we go, about to cry again. <laughs> well, in, in the speech, he, it's like a 26-minute speech. I mean, it's fifteen, at least 15-minute speech. And he goes on and he's talking about his teammates and everything else. But the great part about it is when he, at the very end, starts talking about his mother. And it's just, it's just very heartwarming, very touching. And, and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. Three years later, I came out. We were stacked, the odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys by the time you were 21 years old. Everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> you the real MVP. So, if you're all crying right now, sorry. <laughs> Although, part of the super emotional aspect to the video is watching it and seeing his mom get all teary-eyed and seeing him get all choked up and he's clearly choked up. Yeah. He sounded like a muppet yeah. or a cartoon <laughs> character. And your your mirror neurons are just firing off in your head and mirror neurons are involved in empathy and well it's awesome because if you've ever been watching something on TV and someone's crying and then you you're just watching them, you don't it's not you're not even invested in the story, but you see someone start crying and getting emotional and then you also get emotional. That's what's causing that is your mirror neurons and that's it's fascinating. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. But mine are firing off all the time, apparently malfunctioning. But the real line that gets you is when he says that his mom is the real MVP. And yeah. then it's just, uh, yeah. And they're also, cl- they're clipping, they're showing clips of her or cutting to her during the clip and she's Cannot losing keep it. it together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a very beautiful moment. And that is definitely a good mom. Keep keeping with the running theme of parents, not necessarily mothers. A guy was arrested at a school board meeting in New Hampshire, Connecticut. Yeah. New Hampshire, yes, you're correct. William Bear has encountered some eyebrow-raising policies and practices during his children's years in public schools, but he still wasn't prepared for what he discovered last Wednesday night. 
that was the night Bear learned that his 14-year-old daughter had been assigned to read a novel that contains a passage so sexually explicit that he described it as pornographic. The novel, 19 Minutes, by Jody Pickolt, is a controversial book that tells the story of a fictional school shooting and the people it affects. Though the book has been part of the curriculum in New Hampshire's Guilford High School since 2007, when it was assigned last Monday, school officials gave no notice to parents of freshman English students that the book was being read or of the novel's sexually explicit content. Now, I'm going to read. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the thing is, the thing with the book like this, and a lot of people, I think, are just going to defend the school district's um, choice to have this book in, in the curriculum because they're fighting against the prudes and the puritanical aspect of our society and the, those people who hold those ideologies. Fact of the matter is, is this guy can choose to have his 14-year-old daughter read this this excerpt that Brittany's getting ready to read. It's it's not just sex sex ed. It's it's Go ahead, read it. Go ahead. All right, everybody. It's about to get intimate between us. <laughs> All right. We're about to share an experience together. Ugh. We're going to be connected. If only the truth wiener were here. Two in one is what we're about to become right now. Kevin Swanson would just really get into this. <laughs> mm. All right. Here's an excerpt from the explicit pa passage. Relax, Matt murmured, and then he sank his teeth into her shoulder. He pinned her hands over her head and ground his hips against hers. She could feel his erection, hot against her stomach. She couldn't remember ever feeling so heavy, as if her heart were beating between her legs. She clawed at Matt's back to bring him closer. Yeah, he groaned, and he pushed her thighs apart, and then suddenly Matt was inside of her, pumping so hard that she scooted backward on the carpet, burning the backs of her legs. He clamped his hand over her mouth and drove harder and harder until Josie felt him come. Semen, sticky and hot, pooled on the carpet beneath her. Yeah. So the school district puts this book into the curriculum that has to do with the school shooting. And there's stuff like this in it. And I'm not making a judgment call as to whether this is appropriate or inappropriate for, for a 14-year-old girl. A virgin, I'm assuming. But... What I am judging is whether or not they should do this without giving the parents any fair warning or at least the ability to opt out. Because it's not the school board's job, it's not the school's job to introduce themes like this to a girl of the age of 14. Well, they should at least, you know, if they're going to review this this uh, passage, should instruct the students that maybe they should put a towel down on the carpet because this guy's ruining her parents' house, and that's not very cool. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> clearly whoever wrote this book is not... Uh, not being very considerate to the parents yeah, that's, in more ways than one. That's going to be a bummer for that carpet. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's going to be tough to deal with. <laughs> but seriously, I agree with what you're saying. Because it's a bummer for this guy. He was upset. And, you know, understandably, he doesn't want his daughter exposed to this kind of material and says that the school has no business introducing such themes to his daughter. It's not their job to teach her about semen being hot and sticky in the carpet. And here's here's how it went down at the school board meeting. And my time is up. Sorry. Sir, sir, that's, you got to get it. That's please. fine. No matter what. The whole thing is that this please, is ridiculous. Sir. Please, sir. sir. That's fine. Please, sir. It's absurd. Why don't you have me arrested? Why don't we do that as a civic no. lesson? Nice First Amendment yeah. lesson, right? Please. It's absurd, but we're, everybody's sir, playing around about what the content of this is. Nobody's talking about censoring the book. Nobody's talking about banning the book or burning the book sir, or anything. Would you please be respectful of the other people? Here? You're like, you're respectful of my daughter, right? And my children. That you had the, that you put this book out with the notice. Why, why don't we read the notice that was put out? Why, yes. Would anyone else like to speak? Because I violated two minute rules. Would anyone else like to be recognized? You know, the thing of it is, if someone were to print this type of material, which is straight out of a penthouse forum, I mean, this is sexually graphic stuff. Yeah. Talking about hot hard-ons and pooled cum. Mm -hmm. If they were to print this <laughs> and distribute it on school grounds as kids were coming out of school, they'd be arrested for 
indecency or lewd. I mean, they would be it, it wouldn't be taken as oh, it's just the school district trying to trying to educate kids. It it would be a problem. Yeah, it would be pervy, disgusting behavior for someone to distribute this to the children as they exited the school. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he's just disturbed that there was a failure to notify parents and that they weren't given an opportunity to opt out, that he had to stumble upon this book that she was reading and stumble upon what was contained in it and that he wouldn't have known otherwise, that his daughter was getting this, you know. It's graphic. Yeah. And look, well, I don't. read a romance novel. That's the kind of stuff that's in a romance novel. I don't even know that it would bother me, but it doesn't matter if it bothers another parent, then it, it matters. It's not up to the school district to decide. So make up your own mind, everybody. It was kind of hot, though. Oh, yeah. It was kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so in other news, more proof that having money does not make you smart. Donald Tokowitz Sterling is at it again. He knew. God damn, he is the worst. His has a sexy. Speaking of sexy, sexy voice on that guy, huh? No, he does not. He has a gross, old, phlegmy. You don't. You don't think it's sexy when a guy sounds like he's gargling phlegm? (laughs) No, no, no. I don't. I. I don't know. I. I think you do. He sounds just like that, except whatever you had in your mouth just now is lighter than the phlegm that yeah. he seems to be gargling while More he's talking. Viscous. So he's he he is caught on tape again. Once again, he there's audio that has been released. He's caught. Yeah. Air quotes. Listen, I'm not saying that he had this written for him and re- read it off of a transcript. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that he had anything to do with the release of this tape. I'm not saying that. But if it were to come out that this was a scripted interaction with someone on the phone, and if it were to come out that he released this audio himself, I would not be surprised. Yeah. But I'm talking to a girl. I'm trying to have sex with her. I'm trying to play with her. What can you, you know, uh, if you were trying to have sex with a girl, and you're talking to her privately. You don't think anybody's there. You may say anything in the world. What difference does it make? Yeah, the kind of things that you're going to say are, you're the only one that I love. You're the only one that I've ever slept with. You're the only one that matters. Like, that's the kind of stuff you're going to be saying yeah, to yeah, get yeah. her to sleep with you. You know, you're not going to be talking about things that make her upset. You know, she wasn't happy with what you were saying. Well, it's also, I, fi- I find it, I don't know why so creepy that this guy who's o- over 80 years old is, I'm trying to get with a girl. Oh, the girl. The girl. She's a woman. Yeah. She's over 30 years old. She's not a girl. Oh, the girl. I'm trying to have sex with her. Oh, God. When he says that, when he says, I'm trying to have sex with his phlegmy voice, it's so <laughs> disgusting. Oh, my God. There's got to be something he could pay for, some procedure to have that taken care of. I would not want him to come near me or talk near me. It's gross. He probably would want to come near you, too. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, the uh, the fun continues. You may say anything in the world. What difference does it make? Then if the girl tapes it and releases it, my God, it's it's awful. In you know, Joel, all the ministers will careful. Who thinks anybody's going to tape something? What the hell? I'm talking to a girl. The girl's black. I like her. I'm jealous that she's with other black guys. I want her. So what the hell can I in private tell her? You know, I don't want you to be with anybody. I. I mean, do I have, can I, am I a person? Do I have any freedom of speech? I wish Magic Johnson was talking to a girl. And you're trying to play with her. I would have said I could fly over uh, over high-rise buildings if I had to. And you're talking to her. Then you go away. And the next thing, three months later, what you said when you were hot trying to get her is, is released. I have a girl here who has black kids and is 
is partly black, I think, myself. I love the girl. And so she's telling me, you're wrong. I know I'm wrong. What I said was wrong. But I never thought the private conversation would go anywhere out to the public. I didn't want her to bring anybody to my game because I was jealous. I mean, I'm being honest. And it uh, doesn't matter. No, no one's going to hear it but you and me, so. That, that's, that's what gets me right there. That's, what, that's the trigger for me that would lead me to believe that they meant for this to get released. Yeah. Is that, uh, what's it matter? Uh, I'm Nick Nolte. Uh, <laughs> no, no one's going to hear this anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, definitely the part that got me. Also, he's like, my God, it's just awful the yeah, way that yeah. he's talking. It, it's completely different to how he was talking in the first video where he didn't know he was being recorded. And it's also interesting that he keeps trying to position what he said, just framing it as though he's a jealous guy. Right. Well, you're talking to a black girl who's accusing you of being racist for what you're saying. What, so obviously, what, better, way, what better way to turn her on than to be a racist? <laughs> yeah. What you're saying is making her accuse you of being a racist. She's not happy with it. So why don't you try to, like, not say that mm. if you're really just trying to sleep oh, with her? You hate black people? Oh, let me spread my legs. Yeah. Gugh. Yeah, and also if you're jealous, it's not that you just don't want her around black dudes. Yeah. You don't want her around any dudes. Don't take pictures with dudes at my games, you know? <laughs> Maybe he thought that she just has a proclivity to... To the dark meat. And I did not hear that part where he said that he was trying to get in her. I think he said get at her. Oh, okay. Well, whatever it was. It's gross. I've, I didn't hear that before. And yeah, that was gross. He's pretty gross. Yeah. He's, uh, like I said, it, it's a classic case of money obviously not leading to smart having brains. or. Also, what's what's wrong with these chicks who you know get with these older guys just for money like i don't think i could do that just for whatever she, it's it's the, she's a weirdo for though. like two bentleys she, it doesn't matter she i wish I, I i'll have to find the audio and play it on another episode but where she talks about be she wants to become the president of the united states <laughs> is she educated at all not even that it, she's allegedly a gold digger <laughs> that claim has been made come on yeah. come on jesus that's kind of what i was getting at it's very it's like soulless behavior to just be with this old guy because you want his money Ugh. i don't know what she had to do to Ugh. get the bentleys but whatever it was not worth it she had to come in contact with that phlegm yeah Blech. I bet some carpet got messed up in the process. Yeah. Hot, sticky semen on the carpet. So moving on to stupid white guys. <laughs> other stupid white guys. <laughs> uh, one of the best stupid white guys. Bill Donahue. Uh, well, recently the Vatican came out and released some, some numbers. The Vatican revealed Tuesday that over the past decade it has defrocked, which means to strip of priestly privileges and functions yeah it has defrocked 848 priests who raped or molested children and sanctioned another 2572 with Two, lesser penalties 2572 so that's about 3400 wow total so the reason I pulled Bill Donahue audio is because he is the president of the Catholic League, which, to, by all accounts, is just a three two person operation. It's just him and a secretary. It's it's not a vast loyal number legions of Catholics in some organization. It's just this jackass that the media gives tons and tons of time on their shows to. I have audio of him talking about the actual numbers of molestations and charges against priests. This is from earlier this year. Well, I, I beg to differ with these people. Maybe it's because I do this for a living. Um, we've averaged 7.6 credible accusations against 40,000 priests in the last six years. This problem, which took place, which was an utter disgrace, was between approximately 1965 and 1985. 
that coincides with the sexual revolution and then the discovery of AIDS in 81. What I'm saying is that this problem has largely been checked. There's a major problem in other demographic groups of which the media have no interest in pursuing, never mind the public schools altogether. So what can this pope do about what? I mean, I don't know of a single institution which has less of a problem, proportionately speaking today, than the Catholic Church when it comes to the sexual abuse of minors. There's two things in this clip that I want to address. Um, And I hope that his voice brings back in your memory who he is, because this guy is a terrible, terrible person. The, the, He's the president of the Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights in the United States yeah, yeah, yeah. and has been since 1993. So this, the, the, the first thing that I want to talk about in the clip, and I'm, we just I isolated it just to make it a little easier. Um, we've averaged 7.6 credible accusations against 40,000 priests in the last six years. 7.6 credible accusations against priests in the last six years. Yeah, and that's kind of odd because he also talks about how most of the problem was between dates in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And this data from the Vatican... Yeah, these are, these are Vatican data. ...says that since 2004, the Vatican had received 3,400 cases, had defrocked 848 priests... And sanctioned another 2,572 to lesser penalties. So where's the 7.6 cases on average in six years when 800-some were stripped of priestly function and duty? And another 2,500 received lesser penalties. Yeah. that's Since 2004. Those 7.6 dudes were doing a lot of work framing... All those thousands of dudes. Yeah, because this, since 2004, that's 10 years. It's unbelievable. So, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, he's he's just the, the chief apologist for the Catholic Church, but he's clearly a, a liar. He is a liar because he is promulgating terribly wrong information. I mean, he's he's trying to skew these numbers and make the Catholic Church look like, well, you know, he goes on to say... I mean, I don't know of a single institution which has less of a problem, proportionately speaking today, than the Catholic Church when it comes to the sexual abuse of minors. I can think of organizations that have less of, a, of a, uh, an issue with uh, child molestation. Many. The Boy Scouts. Yeah. The, the NBA. The U.S. Department of Agriculture. <laughs> there are plenty of organizations that don't have the child rape problem. That the Catholic Church does. Yeah, and it's embarrassing for him to say something like that, especially when the Vatican just released this data. It's clearly a problem. Yeah. It's very clearly a problem. And I think it's interesting how Bill Donahue always tries to turn it into an issue that it's a gay issue. It's not a child molester issue. It's that they're gay. It's definitely a definition. He's parsing definitions because there are. I've heard him say many times that a lot of these relationships weren't child molestation because they were consensual relationships between a full-grown elderly priest and a teenage boy. Which means that the word consensual will never apply. Right, never. Regardless of how the child may feel. Right. Well, it doesn't matter. It, that doesn't matter anyway. He's, he's a charlatan and a worthless piece of shit who is a liar and who is putting this information out there trying to discredit these rape victims. And listen, I don't like using the phrase child molestation or child molesting. These kids were raped. If you have sexual contact, whether it's oral or any other conventional male-on-male sex, that is rape because they cannot consent to having sex. They cannot agree to it. They can't sign a contract. They, They cannot agree. Therefore, it is rape. Yeah, so some of the interesting things that came out of this Vatican data is that these priests were defrocked. Yeah. Which, who cares, by well, the way? Yeah, well, they're trying to put that out there like, look what we did. We did this. If you rape someone and then you get fired from your job, that's not enough. For sure not enough. Prosecution and incarceration is what needs to happen. That's the only viable punishment, not losing your job. Oh, 
yeah, but I lost my health benefits in my retirement plan. You know what? You need to lose your freedom. That's what you need to lose. And they kind of talked about how a lot of these priests are older, and so it was kind of toward the end of their life and what what was going to become of them and, and saying things like this. And uh, none of that matters. None of that matters. So <laughs> you're not going to tug at anybody's heartstrings by talking about someone who raped a minor. And I don't mean someone who extracts ore and precious metals from the earth. I mean a minor, someone who is underage. <laughs> It's just kind of disheartening when they also talk about the lesser penalties that were handed out and they just say that the priests were put in a place where they weren't near children. And we know that a lot of times that wasn't true, actually. Yeah, but I don't want the I don't want the numbers. I don't want the twenty five hundred and twenty seven priests or whatever. I want the names. Where are the names? Yeah, that's let's cool. alert the authorities so they can get involved. Yeah. You know, say, oh, well, we took away two paychecks, and now they, they can't be in children's ministry anymore. They can still be around children. That's not the first fucking thing you should do. The first thing you should do is to get the authorities involved, whether it be the Italian police, the Polish police, the Irish police, or the American police. You get, the, you get justice involved. That is how you deal with this. Defrocking them? That's not really a punishment. It's so, not a punishment. Yeah. Let's let's move on from this childish way of handling people under the guise of religion, whatever is the issue here. Move on. The problem, largely some of the problem here is the fact that the Vatican is its own country. And when these when these dudes become priests, a lot of them get a Vatican passport. They get citizenship in the Vatican. So they can they can go run and hide and be at the Vatican and we can't prosecute them because they're not citizens here it's it's that's what the, which will probably never happen until Christianity goes away but the, they don't need to be their own country that's part of the we can't bring the pope up on charges because he is the leader of a country yeah it's a bummer Ugh. So in uh, science, Brittany's science section, Brittany's science corner, the segment on science. We still need a name for this fucking thing. Yeah, we do. Awesome. Super interesting. The future is here. Ponce de Leon would love the shit out of these scientists. Yeah. Ponce so de Leon's the guy who looked for the fountain of youth. Thank you. <laughs> Two teams of scientists published studies on Sundays showing that blood from young mice reverses aging in old mice, rejuvenating their muscles and brains. Awesome. Unbelievable. The research builds on centuries of speculation that the blood of young people contains substances that might rejuvenate older adults. Not just Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> in the 1950s, Clive McKay of Cornell University and his colleagues tested the notion by delivering the blood of young rats into old ones. To do so, they joined rats in pairs by stitching together the skin on their flanks. After this, this is from the 1950s, so, everybody. <laughs> well, they're still doing this kind of stuff. And you know what? This is another testament to animal testing. You know, it might be barbaric and it might be, you know, by some accounts cruel. But without the gift that those rats give us of, of their lives and their comfort, we wouldn't have this kind of uh, development. We, this is going to lead to something major. And without being able to test on animals and experiment, we wouldn't have this kind of advancement. So fuck you, PETA. Fuck you. Yeah, well, in the... The people involved in the research are saying it could lead to treatments for disorders like Alzheimer's and heart disease. So it could have very important implications. Well, I love that they conjoined the rats and one that was frail and infirmed, the old one, became young and vigorous. It, it's awesome. Yeah. So from this study in the 1950s, after they stitched together the skin on their flanks, the blood vessels grew and joined the rat's circulatory systems and the blood from the young rat flowed into the old one and vice versa. 
Later in that study, they found that the cartilage of the old rats looked more youthful than it would have otherwise, but they couldn't really say how the transformation happened, and there wasn't enough known at the time about how the body rejuvenates itself. You know, it was the 1950s, so we didn't know much of anything at that time. We still thought being gay was a psychological problem. Yeah. (laughs) So it later became clear that stem cells are essential for keeping tissues vital. And when tissues are damaged, stem cells move in and produce new cells to replace the dying ones. And as people get older, their stem cells gradually falter. So they're thinking that the stem cells might be the important aspect. Yeah, yeah. It's So it, it really is. This is a massive step forward. Relative to aging and Alzheimer's and so many people are in terrible situations. It's a horrible disease. People die and fade in and out of, of reality. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. So these most recent studies that were just published um, Sunday in the Journal of Nature Medicine by a doctor with the University of California, San Francisco, um, they are trying to investigate what young blood does to brains of old mice. So they found that neurons in the hippocampus, which is involved in memory, of the old mice sprouted new connections. They removed the cells and platelets from the blood of young mice and injected the plasma that remained into the old mice. That injection caused the old mice to perform far better on memory tests than they had before. Um, In a second study in science, the team reported that there was a spur in the growth of blood vessels in the brain. The new new blood supply led to growth of neurons and gave older mice a sharper sense of smell. Wow. Wow. Not only is it they were able to perform better on memory tasks with the new blood, but also they had an improved sense of smell. So really, they're getting effectively almost like they're being they're getting younger. Yeah, and, you know, there's been many people that have been commenting on this study, and one person said, we can turn back the clock instead of slowing the clock down, and that's a nice thought if it pans out. I mean, of course, this is new research. It's going to be replicated. People are going to do it, you know, a lot more to figure out what we can do, where it's going to go. Well, we're going to get new eyes on this research with different perspectives, and they will, they're going to further it. It's going to be, it's... uh, sky's the limit here this could go so far in so many different directions yeah and apparently uh scientists would they they need to kind of take care in rejuvenating old body parts apparently waking up stem cells might lead to their multiplying uncontrollably and a professor of bioengineering at university of california berkeley said that it's quite possible that it will dramatically increase the incidence of cancer you have to be careful about overselling it yeah so it's still new. Obviously, they're still trying to figure everything out, but it's pretty exciting. Or maybe something will go awry and they'll create a, a, a breed of zombie ri- um, a mice. Yeah. Zombie rats. <laughs> and then, yeah. then we're fucked. Yeah, that would not be a good sitch. <laughs> Let's not jinx us and have that happen. Yeah, it'd be like uh, the movie I Am Legend all over again. Yeah. Damn you, Emma Thompson. Wasn't she the doctor who... Did you ever see that movie? No. Oh. Well, then never mind. Yeah, you're not going to get anything out of me. Not, not going to be a funny conversation when you haven't seen the movie. Yes. <laughs> I know Will Smith was in it. Yes. Yes, he was. I can, I can help you out there. So we are going to wrap up the show with, with some, some good news, some new news, some news. News. Um, Michael Sam has just become... The, I was going to follow the Vatican story with the Michael Sam story, but I in no way want anyone to think that I'm equating child rape with homosexuality. Those guys, they're pedophiles. They're not gay. Uh, so I, I switched the order of the stories. Uh, but Michael Sam, uh, a football player for the University of Missouri. Uh, go Tigers. He's the first openly gay man to be drafted. By the NFL, by the St. Louis Rams. So one, congratulations, Michael Sam. It's awesome. Yes. Uh, congratulations for that. And also for being a brave coming out before the draft. is a, That's a huge thing. It's, it took a lot of balls. Um, and St. Louis Rams, I think this kind of goes to show that it's not necessarily – it's a business. And they want to they recruit whoever's going to be the best 
and I think they've they've done that. So that's a. Although it's monumental, he's the first player to be drafted into any sport openly gay. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but it's you know, the the evolution of acceptance of homosexuality relative to gay marriage and gay athletes is something that is happening. I think more rapidly than anyone suspected it would happen. Yeah, it's great. It's it's we're up to what nineteen if Arkansas makes it um, legal for gay marriage by by force, the force of the court. But they will. They're probably going to do it. Going to have to. Um, they'll be number nineteen. I think the number is. That's that's huge. Yeah. If you want to cry some more about a yeah. an emotional video, you should watch Michael Sam getting drafted. There's not really any sound, so we it doesn't make sense to play it here, but go watch it. His boyfriend's with him, giving him moral support. Yeah, you know, that's another thing. What's with these black athletes loving, dating, having uh, white boyfriends and girlfriends? <laughs> All right, Donald Sterling. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> no, it's just it's a joke. You always see, like, the black athlete with the white girlfriend. Oh, and yeah, yeah. And racists are, oh, you can't find a person of your own color. It's, it's the same thing. It's people loving people, man. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I could do a better. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, St. Louis Rams. Looks like you got your a quality SEC caliber football player for your team. And congratulations, Michael Sam. Good job. You're a brave man. And we respect you. So that is going to end our Mother's Day episode number 20 of the show. We definitely appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you have not yet rated and reviewed us on iTunes, we beg of thee to do so. It is instrumental in keeping the show in that new and noteworthy section on iTunes, which gets new users to listen to us. Because without your help, in the rate and review and also telling your friends and coworkers about us, that's really the main way we're going to do it. Because I would venture to say that 75% of our traffic is through iTunes and it's starting to really grow exponentially. We're seeing massive spikes in our traffic and it's awesome. We thank you so much. If you haven't yet go out there and rate and review us, we will be your best friend. Who doesn't want that? Who does not want that? So for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt. Girl, oh, the girl, I'm trying to have sex with her. Ew.